There's so many different types of cybersecurity, and especially today, and I'm not going to quote the company that I'm at, but it's everywhere workplace. Like we're all working remote now, so we need cybersecurity more than ever, more than anything. And I would also say, I mean, you can tell I'm in sales. This is where probably the money's at. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. All right, today we have a world traveler, native to California, school in Oregon, worked in the Bay, moved to New York, that wasn't good enough. Move to Austin. <laughs> this is where she is today. Caitlin Garrish, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Caitlin. Hopefully Austin's good enough. Yeah, Caitlin, great seeing you again. You too, guys. It's been a while. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about. I love the fact that you've been moving around. Bouncing around is probably the wrong word for it, but I want to talk about that as we kind of get into things. But Amazing. it's been a while. I was looking. This You bounced from Memory Blue five years of September. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. My first job out of college. Crazy. But you're working at the same employer that you're working at when you were a memory blue SDR. Yeah, basically. I mean, acquired by another company, but I'm still working with the same people that I was working at or who I was working with when I was at memory blue. So yeah. it comes well, full circle. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll explain that. But let's do this. Let's let the, let the audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, that sort of thing. Yeah. So originally from San Jose, the Bay Area, that's why I started at Memory Blue after college. Big Oregon Ducks fan. Went to University of Oregon for college. Both of my brothers went there. After I graduated, honestly, had no clue what I wanted to do. So I got into sales. Both my brothers in sales were super competitive family. Bounced around, just as you were saying, I think that is a good term from New York. Now I'm in Austin. Hopefully I stay here for a while, but yeah, been at a bunch of different jobs, but super excited to be talking to kind of where it all started. Let's talk about this for a sec. Your brother's older than you? I have two older brothers. One is two years older than me and the other is four years older than me. And you grew up in the heart of it all. You're a native San Jose person. Silicon Valley, represent. Right. So was it just kind of like a foregone conclusion? Do they go into tech sales right out? What was it like... Did you kind of know you're growing up in the epicenter of high tech? I mean, honestly, not really. My, my mom's a court reporter, so she's worked for the county for 30 plus years. My dad is in finance, so he's always been within the tech industry. When, we, when I went to University of Oregon, when my brothers did, I don't really think any of us thought we were going to end up in sales. But after I saw them go into sales after college, and when I graduated, kind of sitting there in retail wondering how am I going to do now? I was like, okay, let me follow in their footsteps. My dad ran into Kyle McDowell, who was at Memory Blue. And Kyle McDowell. Love him. I grew up with him. So my dad ran into him at a Chick-fil-A. And that's how I actually landed the interview at Memory Blue. So it's crazy how things work. I was looking into sales. I wasn't really landing anything. And then that connection, my dad and Kyle McDowell, all of a sudden, uh, two weeks later, I'm at Memory Blue. Interesting. So Chick-fil-A, we'll take it. Hey, so Caitlin, what did you study at Oregon? I was a sociology major. 
And so what did you think that was going to lead to? Or, or did you have any idea? Honestly, it was kind of an interesting path to get there. I had a dream to do public relations in fashion. That's all I wanted to do, probably from high school into college. But unfortunately, University of Oregon super competitive. I didn't get into the journalism school. And so I was sitting there like, okay, I have two years left of college. I need to graduate on time, out-of-state tuition. It's not going to work. So I was kind of looking around, seeing what I wanted to study. And I was like, okay, sociology, I really like it. To be totally honest, I didn't think I was going to use it after college. Okay. Okay. And then how often do you go back to Eugene? It's been a while, especially living in New York prior to Austin. Then the pandemic hits. It's been a long time. I'm actually going back in July for a wedding though. So I'm pretty excited. Going to have to go to Austin Stadium or at least walk by it. There you go. There you go. All right. So you're out of school. Kyle McDowell, God bless him, runs into your dad at Chick-fil-A. And somehow the Memory Blue connection gets hooked up. Just tell us a little bit about that. Because did you kind of have an idea as to what you were getting yourself into, what you signed yourself up for because your brothers are just like, nah, I mean, these guys got an office downtown San Jose and I'm local. I like Kyle kind of sounds right or what? I was like, Kyle's pretty cool. If he likes it, then I must like it. No, I mean, I knew what I was getting into. Both of my brothers were sales development reps at a time. I didn't really totally understand what Memory Blue did when I was in the interview. Definitely did the role play. And then I started to understand a little more, bit more of what I was going to be doing. But yeah, I kind of went into it a little blind, I would say. Sales experience, a bunch, obviously not in tech, but retail, I was a barista, so on. But yeah, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. Who were some of the guys and gals you were rolling with back then when you started Memory Blue? Who was kind of your cohort or your group? Gosh, I'm still super close with Janae Cambra. She's one of my closest friends. I work with Andy now still, Andy Beecher. Dan, Anton, Kyle, Matt, Timmy, Atina. Like I, I still talk to these people all the time. So it's crazy to think that those were the people I spent 10 months with and I'm still connected with them somehow in some way today. And Caitlin, a lot of those names, aren't those folks people who grew up in San Jose? A lot of them? Most of them. I would say, yeah, all of them did. I knew Atina Habib through one of my best friends. And so when I saw her walk into the office one day, I was like, what are you (laughs) doing here? And then I actually moved to New York City with her. So yeah, you stay connected with the people. That's what I would say the biggest thing about sales through every job I've been with. I am close with a good handful of people still to today. And then so you you were, and then you were rolled out on mobile from day one or you want some other campaigns? I can't remember. I was on Align Commerce, which was uh, fintech for about a month, and then okay. I was on Mobile Iron. Pretty nervous, not gonna lie. Everyone's like, "Okay, it's complicated. the The technology is a little more than the, the other client that you're on." But I mean, look where it turned out. Now I only want to be in security tech, and <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Hey, so Caitlin, talk a little bit about that because a lot of times these SDRs, when they get started, they're like paranoid and scared to death of cyber. And they're like, no, 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 that's too hard. But if you can learn the material, then you're going to be like, I'm going nowhere else because it's such a great innovative technology that everybody needs. It's ever changing. Just talk a little bit about your thoughts about security. Yeah, I mean, your point exactly. When you hear that you're going to get put on like a cyber tech client, it kind of freaks you out. And everyone's like, okay, Caitlin, be prepared. That's going to be super hard. Are you sure you want to do it? I mean, I didn't really have a choice. So here I am. (laughs) But exactly. There's so many different types of cybersecurity. And especially today, 
and I'm not going to quote the company that I'm at, but it's everywhere workplace. Like we're all working remote now. So we need cybersecurity more than ever, more than anything. And I would also say, I mean, you can tell I'm in sales. This is where probably the money's at. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. It's important. And so, and then we go back to those early days. What was it like kind of getting on the phones or doing that work for Mobile and even for a line? What do you remember about it? I remember my first call on Align Commerce. And actually, the VP of Business Development was on the call with me. Oh, and I what? was freaking out. <laughs> I, I still think about it today. And I was like, just don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> the lady answers the phone. And I'm pretty sure I may have booked a meeting off of that or at least got a call back. Oh, hell yeah. It was scary. I mean, picking up the phone is hard. It's so hard. Even to the day, you're like, oh gosh, I need to cold call someone. I need to get this VP on the line or chief information security officer on the line. It's still nerve wracking. I don't think that ever goes away, but it's fun. Now I, when I do it today versus then, I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Let's see what kind of conversation I get into. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And it's good for people to hear that you still have to do it today from time to time at a minimum, maybe. What were you good at? Like when you developed your game, what was like a Caitlin Garrish signature move? What, what, what did you feel like? Okay, this is one part of the game that I got locked down cold. Or I'm good. I at. always really enjoyed social selling. I think LinkedIn is a huge part of selling as an SDR, but also as an account executive. Also, when I was a manager of sales development, there's so much you can do on different platforms like LinkedIn. Videos were huge when... I was managing a sales development team in New York. That's how we got a lot of our meetings. Like face-to-face, like, yes, that annoying girl is calling you nonstop, nonstop. But then you actually see she's a human. I think that's super important. So that's why I really like social selling. Nice. Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. So all those people you mentioned you worked with at Memory Blue, who was, besides yourself, who was like the best SDR in the office? Oh, that's hard. I know. That's what I'm asking you. I always really, well, this is just funny. I was close with him when I was at Campbell or San Jose. Dan, remember Dan? Yeah. He's just a go-getter. That's all I can say. He has no Wait, shame. Are we talking about Yorkie? Yeah. Okay, good. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right. well, he, okay. he came back to Memory Blue after. Yeah. yeah. He came back. He's gonna, we're recording a podcast with him next week. Oh, gosh. You better say my name. <laughs> I'll be pissed. Yeah. Yeah, Yorkie was great. Yeah, he had a shame and I I loved it. What was he good at? I mean, it's been a while, but I just remember him getting on the phone immediately when he started and I was freaking out on the phone. So probably just like no nerves whatsoever, just going straight into it, which as an SDR, as someone, maybe their first sales role is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Dan's fearless. Yeah. He does not care. You go look at his LinkedIn post today. He still doesn't care. Right? <laughs> he is who he is. Yeah. He's a great guy too. Hey, all right. So so you're at Memory Blue. You were working on our flagship client in that office, which is Mobile Iron. And there's yeah. a reason why we put you on that because if I would walk back in time, we were probably saying, Caitlin Garrett, she's got some games. She's coming off a of line commerce. Let's get her in the mix on that campaign. This wasn't by accident. So we rolled you on to Mobile Iron. What was that like? Because that's they eventually you were to go work for them. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I remember the first day actually going into Mobile Iron, and it was me, Andy, two other people. I'm I'm not fully remembering, but I had to do a role play the first day I was in there. It was pretty terrifying in a 
room with all men and me just sitting there like right out of college. So scared. But yeah, it was a learning curve getting into that space. But the people at Mobile Iron were amazing. The person that ended up being my boss, Omar, love him still today. He's like one of my favorite people and has been one of my favorite managers. I learned so much from everyone there. Kandra Vu also, I still stay in touch with her today as well. She's been a really good mentor to me as I had to move around from place to place, but everyone was so open to help. And then I was super excited when I was able to actually get hired out by them. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like it's important to you to have great relationships with Omar. I remember him as a client. He was a great client to work with. And Kendra, I'm still in touch with yeah. him this day too. We're trying to figure out a way to get Kendra's son to come work at Memory Blue, but we'll save that oh. story for, for another day. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of competition for his services. <laughs> but let's talk about that. So what's it like? What's important in a manager? We can talk about Omar. When you're new and early in your career, what should you be looking for? Yeah, how I always think about it is at the end of the day, you can work for a company. But I always see it as like, I work for people. I can love the product. I could love like the culture, the people around me. But if I don't like my manager, I'm not going to be happy there. And I've been in situations where I haven't been happy with my manager. So now like when I look at jobs, I look, okay, is this manager, not to be corny, going to inspire me to want to succeed, to want to make a lot of money? Am I going to learn a lot? Uh, Things like that. That's what I look for when I join a company. So that was a big thing going to Mobile Iron. And I'm sure we were going to talk about Beth anyways. But when I got on the phone with Beth Prunier, Carly worked at Memory Blue. I remember getting the first call from her interviewing. I was like, call my dad right after. I was like, I am going to work for this woman. I don't know how, but I know I'm moving to New York right now without a job. And I'm banking on getting this job with her. Because just the immediate conversation with her, I was like, I'm inspired. I want to work for you. So you were at Memory Blue. You're doing such a good job that Mobile Iron said, hey, we want to hire Caitlin. You liked them enough that you wanted to go there, mm-hmm. right? And continue your career. And you kind of worked up your way to the food chain in the sales development world with them, right? You were an SDR that you became like a team lead. Yeah. And then at some point, you got this itch. I'm born and raised in San Jose, progressing my career. I don't know. When did you start thinking about moving? Was that because of Beth or because you were like, hey, I went to school in Oregon, but I came back to the Bay. I want to move someplace. I wanted something different. I like city life. I wanted to kind of move somewhere where I knew no one. That's kind of what I did in Austin too. So I remember I I went to New York City with Atina one day. We signed a lease. I came back. Didn't tell my parents until two weeks before. I'm really sorry, mom and dad. They were so upset with me. I was like, I signed a lease. I quit my job. I'm moving to New York with no job. Yeah, I had the itch and I wanted to be a manager for sales development. So that was kind of my goal going out there was to find a job with an amazing manager to manage a sales development team and grow on. I mean, I think it's great because you built this great foundation. Cyber, great company. You got some good training from us, great exposure. So I think you were able. I don't think it was that even that irresponsible or anything like that. I think it was a great move. And I'm sure your parents were thrilled. <laughs> It was a great move, minus the fact I didn't have a job when I moved to New York City. (laughs) So so let's talk about that. And then you got out of cyber for a bit, but we'll get to that in a second. So you went the way up. How did you meet? So you mentioned Beth. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, Beth Corcoran, how do I pronounce her last name? Prunier, Prunier. 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 Sorry if I say it wrong, guys. (laughs) Yeah. I always say it the wrong way. 
We haven't had her on the podcast yet, but her daughter came to work for us. And we'll tell that story in a few minutes, because this is a podcast about Caitlin. But how did you end up way up? Would you meet Beth? I was at this point, I had two weeks till I was moving to New York City. I knew I needed to find a job immediately when I got there. And so I just started putting my resume out there. And I really kind of focused on manager of sales development role, some AE roles. But I was like, I, what I really want to do is SDR role. Um, and I had a few interviews and then I met Beth. So I wasn't really looking at the like type of company I was going to work for. I'm not going to lie. I was just pretty desperate to get a job because shoot, I quit my job when I had a stable job in California. I needed to find one fast. So when I met Beth, I learned a little bit about Way Up and what they did, but really it's pretty obvious why I joined Way Up was because of Beth. But it sounds like too, you, I mean, you wouldn't need to get a job, but it sounds like you made a conscious decision to stay in sales development and manage. So mm-hmm. what inspired you to want to manage people and then also stick around in sales development for a little while? Yeah, when I was at Mobileiron, I was obviously in sales development for a while. And then I remember when my boss left, I kind of took over like the operational side of things as well as still being an SDR. But a lot of the team came to me for questions around, hey, what, what do I do in this situation or, or things like that. And I really enjoy that, that. And I really enjoy being able to help someone get to a different point of their career. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to join a sales team, a sales development team where I can actually build out the sales development group and kind of put processes in place, do the enablement and see them grow. And some of them are absolutely crushing it today as AEs or sales development managers or recruiters or really anything, but being able to give them like a platform and then help them move to where they want to be. That's why I wanted to do it. And that's so interesting because sales development, like if you go sales right away, it can be quite a long time before you're responsible for managing someone. But you, you weren't that far out of school, right? I mean, this is 2018 and now you're managing people. What was that like? What did you have to learn to go from like an individual contributor slash team lead, still young in life and early in your career, as you still are now in many ways, but what skills did you have to learn to become a manager? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say one of the things I learned that I struggled with in the beginning was when you're in a group of people, like outside of work, I'm super outgoing, super loud. But when I get into group settings with people I don't really know or in work settings, I'm much more quiet and I don't speak up. And I remember when I was sitting with Kendra one day, that was advice she gave me was, hey, Caitlin, you have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of things that you can contribute. Just speak up in these meetings and it'll go a long way. So I think that like being an SDR manager, that's something I really had to, to learn to do a lot more. Obviously, now I'm managing a bunch of people straight out of college. I need to be their person within this company to help them grow. So there was so much I needed to learn. How to manage up is huge. How to help build that relationship between like SDRs and AEs and make sure everything's running smoothly. How to build in marketing. There's so much that goes into SDR management and it's a really hard job. I mean, it's pretty draining. I'm not going to lie. But it's pretty rewarding once you see someone move up to an AE or move up to where they wanted to be. And you know, having that perspective as an SDR manager and as an SDR, what advice would you have, have had for yourself your day before you started as an SDR at Memory Blue? Just pick up the phone. 
I just don't <laughs> be scared. I mean, everyone's doing it around you. We're all fumbling. We're all like making mistakes. I think a lot of times, a lot of people are just like scared to disappoint. I think for me, that that's always been big in my sales career. Is like I do not want to disappoint my manager. I don't want to disappoint the team. I'm going to sometimes. That's just how it is. I'm going to make mistakes. Just pick up the phone. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes in your career as an SDR, of course. But if you have a group of people behind you that want to see you succeed, you'll definitely succeed and get to where you want to be. And how did she do that? I mean, you didn't know Beth from a, a hole in the wall. Like, how did you convince her to hire you as a manager? I think it goes back to the end of the day you work for people. You get on calls and you're interviewing with people and you just click immediately. And I think that's what happened with Beth. She's super high energy. I'm pretty high energy. Just like similar like personalities, I think that really helped. But I really think when you find a manager or a person that you really connect with, that helps a lot. And I had to do presentations. I had to do things like that. Like I do have a lot of people within my family that are in sales helping me out, being like, okay, this is kind of where you need to take your presentation and things like that. So I definitely had a huge group behind me helping me get the jobs that I've gotten in the past. But I also think it's just, it's who you're going to be working for and who's making that final decision. You know, you mentioned earlier, you kind of had this thing for fashion when you were at Oregon. Did you ever, it's okay if you have them shot in the dark. Did you ever consider when you were out there in New York, getting into some tech fashion related business? That's actually why I moved there. (laughs) That's the reason why I moved there. I remember I was like, dad, I want to do fashion. He's like, well, you're starting to like apply for like more tech jobs. And I was like, well, maybe one day I can get into tech fashion. But then I kind of fizzled out. I still love it. I still follow blogs and all that good stuff, fashion week. But I found a love for cybersecurity a lot more. And it's pretty shocking to see where I was like when I was like 15 or 16 wanting to do fashion to 27 now in, in tech sales, security sales. So it's great. Let's, talk about, to see. Let's, let's talk about that because you hit that on a couple of times. We did a prep call for this. The thing that you said, so you were in New York and we'll kind of keep cycling through that because I want to hear about New York and the pandemic in and, and Austin. But why were you like, I got to get back in the cyber? So you got out of cyber for a bit. You moved to New York you're in the SDR world. And we'll talk about going back into sales. But what's this love affair with cyber? Like, why is it so important to you? And why should other people pay attention to that? Because I think they should. Yeah. I mean, I was in HR, I was in legal tech, and then I was in accounting sales. None of it really just like popped at me. You know, you read the news every day, you see hacks happening, these hackers like getting into these billion dollar businesses. It's it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see how there's so many different tools to be able to stop this. And at the end of the day, like, it is a good place to make money <laughs> because it's always going to be needed. I'm sure most people are, be, are going to be working from home for now. Like I'm selling mobile security. You need that on your cell phone. You need that on your laptop. It's just always going to be needed. I get it. I get it. And then that don't make sense. So you're in New York, you're doing your sales development thing, managing sales development professionals. When did you make the decision that, okay, because I think it's great you're managing and developing people at such an early part of your career and age. But at some point you said, okay, hey, I want to go into closing. Yeah. What triggered that? 
I mean, as I was saying before, managing a sales development team, it is super rewarding, but it can be extremely draining. Yeah. I worry about my team versus worrying about myself. I worry about my team making money. I don't care about myself making money at that point. If my SDR is struggling, like that hurts. If she's not getting or he's not getting to where they need to be, it drains you. So when I moved to Austin, I was like, it's time that I kind of take control of the money I'm making and go into a closing role. I just want to worry about myself at this point versus worrying about a team of SDRs, which I loved, but I just wanted to focus on myself and how I can build more skill sets within sales as an account executive, as an account manager, and really get to where I want to be. And when you were interviewing for, so I see, so like the New York time was like sales development manager time in your career. So what was like living in New York like? So I know Chris and I, and you were talking about before we started, I know people listening want to wonder that. People, everybody thinks about living in New York at some point in time, I think, but they at least talk about it out loud. So what was it like? It's wild. You don't, you do not sleep. Why did I even have an apartment? I was never there. It's like you work, you go do things right after work. It's just move, 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 move. And it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever done. I am so glad I took the chance to, to move there. As I was saying before, like you, within sales, you make friends that you'll be friends with for the rest of your life. And I think, especially in New York, where you know it does seem harder to, to kind of find that good chunk of really good friends. It was amazing. I miss it a lot. Now that everything's open again, I want to go back, but I'm like, nope, you're staying in Austin. <laughs> so where did you live in the city? So my first year I lived in Hell's Kitchen. And then my second year I lived in Midtown East. So by Grand Central, so that was crazy. You get to walk everywhere. I walk to work every day. You know, you go to a bar right down the street. Everyone lives near you. It was amazing. I got a question for you, Caitlin. So you talk about SDR leadership and how challenging that is. What's more challenging, being an SDR, being an SDR leader, or being an AE? Gosh, I think they all have their specific challenges. But I I would say for me, probably the most challenging thing was being an SDR leader. And why is that? At the end of the day, when there are issues with the SDR team, it's going to all be on you. And so taking the heat for, for something that may have happened, which that's why you're an SDR leader, that's pretty challenging. You know, you're not just managing yourself, you're managing eight people, 10 people, or four people. Like, there's so many more, like, you have to learn how to also manage everyone completely differently. So that was challenging. What makes this person want to win? Is it money? Or is it that they hate to lose? That's what I'd say. It's the hardest. Us being an SDR leader. I'm sure you guys know, because Memory Blue is all about being SDRs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's funny is that being an, so being an SDR is challenging for sure. And I always like talking to SDRs. I'm like, it only gets harder. Like this is the easiest job you're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. I know it's really, really hard, but when you become an SDR leader or you become an AE, it's more visibility, more responsibility, and it's more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The good news is, is as you do it, it doesn't get any easier. You just get better. Yeah. You get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. That the shock and awe of the first job of the SDR job is what's so overwhelming. Yeah. Right? Like, what did I get myself into? Should I leave now? Is it's too late. On. 
And that's why we love doing these podcasts because they hear that shit all the time from us, not as much from us anymore, but from their managing directors and they're from their delivery managers. So how can anything be harder than this job? But it gets kind of easier, but harder in a different kind of way as you get more experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say it's harder or easier to depend on who you're surrounded with. Like, Talk a little bit about that. Are you looking to join an industry with unlimited professional opportunity? It has never been a better time than right now to start a lucrative career in high-tech sales. Memory Blue has launched hundreds of careers for accomplished high-tech sales professionals from our offices coast to coast. And right now, we're in hiring mode. Working with us will accelerate your professional growth and place you on a path to success early in your sales career. You'll get world-class training through the Memory Blue Academy program and sharpen those skills with ongoing mentorship and coaching from our seasoned sales leaders. Memory Blue is an expansion mode and we have immediate openings in all of our offices. We have been named one of the fastest growing private companies in the U.S. by Inc. Magazine for eight straight years. Our award-winning culture has been recognized by third-party industry groups as the best in the business as we routinely add unbelievable benefits and rewards for our team. To learn more and apply to any of our openings, visit memoryblue.com slash careers today. Yeah, I, I mean, I have such a good network of people that want me to succeed. You know, both my brothers are in sales. My sister-in-law's in sales. I have stayed connected with so many people from all the jobs that I've worked at. That pandemic was rough. I lost two jobs, but I had people from all my past jobs helping me find a new job. So those people want to see you succeed, and that makes it a little easier. When you were transitioning to field sales or mm-hmm. selling, inside sales or whatever we want to call it, what types of things did you have to leverage in an interview process? Because someone's looking at you thinking, okay, well, you were an SDR, SDR, SDR leader. As your manager, well, why should I give you a shot to close? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it goes back to who's going to take a shot on you. Who's going to know that, hey, I have a killer discovery call. All I need help with is negotiation. Are you willing to help me? Are you willing to help me build within this outside sales role? And it, it was really hard to find a role at first, especially I'm in the middle of pandemic. I lost my job as an SDR manager. Kind of a blessing in disguise. I didn't want to do SDR management anymore. I didn't want to live in New York anymore. So I guess I was lucky in a sense. <laughs> so that's how I got the opportunity to like move to Austin and start looking for a account executive role. But I, I think there's a lot of well, I know no, I know there's a lot of skills that you get from being an SDR manager that you use as an AE. As an SDR manager, where I am now. I have to manage, help manage like channel. I have to help manage my own accounts. Then I have to prospect. I've basically done that as an SDR manager. I've managed teams. I've helped them prospect. We've put in prospecting in place. I've had to manage up. I've had to do a lot of different things in an SDR manager that I'm doing now. It all correlates somehow. And people within sales, managers within sales get that. So when they're talking to you, they don't question, hey, you have two months as an AE. Why would I hire you? They see that, hey, you have been an SDR manager for the past two years. Like those skills are going to make you super successful here. Yeah. I think you have a robust, more robust body of work as a professional. You manage people and then you, you know, sold your way into the closing role. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. So 
All right, so you decided to pull up and leave the Big Apple. How did Austin happen? How did that, that all go down? I mean, gosh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I visited once before. I visited, gosh, I think 2019. One of my really good friends lives here. I came for a weekend. I was like, this is really fun. Definitely a different speed, but super fun. And people would say I'm pretty impulsive. Like I do like to just pick up and move. I'm trying not to be like that as much. But once I was kind of done with New York or, and then the pandemic happened, I was like, this is a good opportunity to see if I like Austin, see if I like living here. It's not as expensive as New York or San Francisco. So I was like, this is a a great opportunity. My parents were much more happy about this move than they were about New York. I'm a little closer. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any like huge reason why I moved here. I just wanted to try something new. Okay. And when you said it's a little bit slower, like just tell tell us, because the folks listening, they want to know. Like everybody, Austin's another place, like it might be the number one or two place now where people talk about moving when you say it's a little slower or different speed, what what does that mean? Yeah, it's not a massive, massive city. It's growing. Yeah. I mean, I talk to people that I work with now that have lived here their whole lives and that said it was never like this. You see skyscrapers going up constantly, but you're also right next to a river that you can jump in on the weekends. It is mm-hmm. super laid back. And I think that's what I needed. That's what a lot of people need. But also people that love technology, this is where you can go and still enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. And still yep. enjoy the city life. One more thing. I know I moved off to New York. I'm jumping around here a little bit. But as far as I'm concerned, as memory blue, one of the most important things that happened in New York when you were living there was when you met the Beth's daughter, Carly. Yeah. Would you tell that story to us? Yeah. So I was, Beth was my manager, but she was, I would say more as a really good friend. So we hung out a bunch she was a mentor, just someone that has been so successful in sales. Like I'm going to always look up to Beth and always reach out to her with any help I need. We talked about her daughter. She was like, kind of remind me of my daughter a bit. <laughs> I was like, oh God, that, that's not good. <laughs> and she was telling me the situation. Hey, Carly wanted to get out of the job that she was in. I was like, and she wanted to move to Boston. I was like, well, Memory Blue just opened off and in Boston. So I think this could be a really good opportunity for you to at least see if you like sales, get your foot in the door. That's what I did. And look where I am now. So I connected with, I honestly forget who, maybe Jeremy. I'm sure I can look back on my LinkedIn. I connected with someone on LinkedIn who was running the office or posted about running the office, gave them Carly's resume. Then she got a job there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, I got a note here from you, May 31st, 2019. Hey, Mark, I saw you open an office in Boston. I know someone was looking who would crush it. Oh, it was you. <laughs> yeah. But you said who was running the office there. And I spoke, speaking of crushing it, as far as I could tell, you were taking that New York City. <laughs> so congrats. <laughs> and then you said, and then I, it was Jeremy Wood. You said it was great. So like we had this new office in you never would imagine, because I remember going to lunch with you and Andy when you were at Mobileye at one point. You guys were transitioning. And I never would imagine like these two people that I worked with at Memory Blue who are opening up, you know, our biggest client, one of our biggest clients ever out of California. You'd eventually move to New York and then you go to lunch with your new boss or your boss became a friend and her daughter needs a job and you refer her daughter to come work for us and her daughter's working for us in our Boston office. Mm-hmm. Right. Which had just Chris had just opened up recently. I mean, I can't, I don't remember when. It so, was like you just opened up. Yeah. And Carly, who you referred to us, was like a foundational SDR in that office. 
So and she crushed that, it, I'm sure. What's that? And she crushed it, I'm sure. Yeah, she oh yeah, she, she even she's yeah, she even she more than crushed it. Yeah. So, so thank you know, Chris and I owe you a drink or something whenever we get to A Town next for you referring her to us. That was huge. Of course. And it's just funny how the kind of world kind of works, right? Yeah. I'm glad you had a good experience because you felt comfortable enough, obviously. Like, yeah, go work at Memory Blue. So we kind of launched her career. So it's all about networking. So about networking. And that, uh, and that leads me to my second story. So how you ended up back at Avanti, slash, you know, mo- the artist formerly known as Mobile Iron. Yeah. I mean, they were my client for like eight months. And then I worked there for about two years. It was hard leaving Mobile Iron. Like, I loved it so much. And then I moved to Texas and it was like a series of unfortunate events happened. Like one, the company that I was at went completely under, I was only there for two months and I was like, what do I do now? I started working for another company, which I like still love today. I made some of my closest friends there here in Austin, but I got a call from Andy saying, Hey, we have this opening. You have experience within mobile iron. Are you like open to possibly looking at joining or interviewing? And I was sitting there, I was like, mm, like, I like where I'm at now. Like I have a stable job. I love all the people I work with, but it goes back to like some, you have to do things for yourself. And so I get on the phone with my manager, who's my manager today. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want back in security. So Andy reached out to me. I saw him looking at my profile. I was like, Hey, what's up, dude? Like, how are you working <laughs> me? And then he's like, can I call you? I was like, oh no, what happened? And he was like, we have a job opening. So, and here I am. <laughs> yeah, here you are. Did you know Andy from growing up or did you- I met him at Memory Blue. Okay. Yeah. That's important. Like the network you make along the way and you've done an exceptional job of that, obviously. I mean, it sounds like in life in general, right? Because if Kyle didn't like you, he would have he would avoided your dad when he was filling up his Coke at the Chick-fil-A and not talk to your old man. I mean, that is great too, right? That you met someone you worked with here at Memory Blue and you built this relationship enough with him that four years later or whatever it was, three years later, he called you up and recommended you for a field role. Mm-hmm. Love it. And tell us, share it with the listeners a little bit about what exactly you're doing now. So I am like a account manager. I own a bunch of accounts, customers, and I also prospect net new accounts. So a lot of it is upselling, helping with renewals, but a lot of it is going out and finding new opportunities as I was saying before, it a big part is the channel, being able to help manage the channel, whether it's like carriers or whether it's like the CDWs of the world, the SHIs of the world, working with them to generate new opportunities. So there's a lot that goes into this role, not just net new, but a lot of the account management behind it. So you do channel, you do the install base. Do you do any direct sales? Yeah, we do direct sales. Okay. And what's your territory? Do you have accounts or is it a geographic based territory or help us understand a little bit about a, a day in the life? In yeah. So from? I'm Southeast. So I'm basically from Maryland down to Florida to like Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama. So I have a pretty hefty chunk of the US for mobile iron. Yeah, definitely some states are, are better than others or there's more going on and more people, you know, looking to up their security game, up their management game. Yeah, that, that's my territory. And does Mobile Iron have other reps in that territory or is it exclusively Caitlin Garish country? For Mobile Iron, I'm commercial, so I'm under 1,500 employees. It's a little different now that we've moved with Avanti and whatnot. So I'm sure things are me changing. 
I still like talk to the reps on the Avanti side that are in my territory. It's good to kind of see what they're seeing in the space. You know, what I'm seeing in the space, any way that we can help each other out has been really helpful. My counterpart has helped me got deals and whatnot. So thank you. <laughs> and I guess with COVID, hopefully coming to a close here shortly, are, is it going to require travel, any sort of travel or can you do most of it virtually? I mean, most of it's virtually, but I mean, I've definitely been in the works with chatting with channel to see if any events that we can do in like Nashville area. I'm going to Nashville. So I was like, might as well, if I can meet people there when I'm there on vacation after might as well. So I'm sure there will be a lot of in-person events coming up. Very good. So your focus is anything under 1,500 employees mm -hmm. in the Southeast, it, whether it's a direct sale or using the channel? Yeah. Nice mixture. Very good. I meant to ask about this, but I forgot for a second. Mobileline previously was a publicly traded company, but you had some stops at some of the emerging stage firms. And we talked a little bit about how you kind of need to look at these companies to kind of figure out like this because you raised $100 million in 2019 means you're going to be crushing it in 2020. First Talk about that a little bit because, you know, we've got these great companies we work with and some of them are more alluring than others or some of them are very alluring and they, maybe they shouldn't be as alluring as they are in the, in the eyes of the SDR. Yeah, there, there's just so much unknown, especially when you're working with startups. I joined a company in Austin that uh, had $100 million funding in 2019. I came on board six months later. Two months after that, it shut down. And I was sitting there like, I thought I did my research. We all did our research. <laughs> so you just really never know what's going on behind the scene. I still don't know what happened. I love the company that I was working at. It was great. It just didn't work out at the end of the day. But then it led me to my next job at Level Set, to Avanti. So it all works out in the end. That it's like, if you look at my, my resume, my LinkedIn, it looks a little choppy, but it happens. It was a crazy year and you just really never know when you join a company, what's going to happen. So what should you be looking for then? Like knowing you can only do so much research, what are some other things people can be paying attention to when they're considering moving to us to an emerging company? Who's managing the sales team, I think is huge. I mean, it always goes back to that. It always goes back to who you're going to be working for, but I'm going to look at where they've been at. Have mm -hmm. they been super successful at their company? They were there for five plus years. They constantly have been promoted and promoted. I think that's a big thing to look at. Really just love the technology, but I'm going to go back to it. Love the people. Yeah. I, I think talking to you, some things are like a manager that you believe in, that you mm -hmm. inspires you to teach you and one that will take risk on you, a risk on you, right? Beth taking yeah. a risk on you to be a sales development manager. And then whoever hires you to take a risk on you to become a closer, so like yeah. those, things are, those are important things. And then the pe people around you are important because you're right. You can go into crunch space and see somebody raise a hundred million dollars a year ago, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this going to grow. Or what if they put it all into the product, <laughs> the wrong feature in the product, or what if they spent it on something that doesn't make any sense and it applies other pressures on the business. So. Yeah. I would also say going off of that, I look for, a huge thing is female sales leaders. You don't see it a lot. It's rare. I work for a female now. My manager is a female. She's amazing. 
that's super big for me because there's different challenges as a female in sales versus a male in sales. There's so much more you have to go through of just kind of having your voice heard when you're in a room with 10 guys and you're the only girl. <laughs> so I would say it's important for me as a female in sales to find like a leader, whether it's a VP or manager or a lot of AEs that are females. And that's super important to me as well. And what's that like? I mean, you mentioned that earlier when you were at, you were at the mobile iron for the first time. It was you in, in a room with a bunch of dudes and you had a pitch. Yeah. Oh, freaking out. Not only in high tech, are there not as many women in sales as there are men, but then in cyber, it's another level. Usually from my experience, working with these cyber companies and going to these cyber events where you look around, you're like, well, this is pretty singular. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to events when I was at Mobile Learn and I was one of like few girls there and like massive events. It was crazy. And then like when I was at the company before, I was one of three girls on the sales team. And there was it was a pretty big sales team. So I, I think it is important to to make sure there's diversity at the company. Where I'm at now, I, there's a bunch of girls on my sales team or females, women. And that that's super important to me. And what advice do you have for women who are looking to get into sales, young women who are looking to become SDRs potentially, and or then folks who are kind of up the food chain? Like, what advice would you have for your former self along the way? I think it goes back to the advice that Kendra gave me when you're in a room with most likely going to be a lot of males speak up because you probably do have really good ideas which can be nerve wracking, especially if you're right out of college. And I mean, memory blue, there wasn't that many females when I started. I did definitely change. But when I was there, I was one of, I don't know, maybe like four in the beginning. So it was kind of nerve wracking being in a room. Luckily, I grew up with all guys that still didn't make it easy for me being able to speak up in a group setting. And it's still challenging today. Like at my last company, when I was the only female on my direct team to like, say what I wanted to say. As you kind of transition and, you know, as you got into this closing role, do you think it can also be a benefit, right? Cause we're kind of talking about it from the position of like how it's kind of challenging and unique, but how can, how can that be a strength? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, females have different strengths than males. I would say I'm a pretty good listener <laughs> and you're going to hear that all the time. Well, females are really good listeners. It's true though. There's different aspects that are going to help me out versus the males on my team. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Some might, not, some might not be the best just because I am a female in security sales, but, which is dominated by males who I'm reaching out to as males, mm -hmm. which, yeah. Interesting topic. I think everybody knows, but it's great to hear from a, a professional who's doing this. Why is the listening part so important? My goal on a call is not to talk that much. I want to hear their problems. I, they, I'm sure they don't care about what I'm saying. As long as I can fix what they're dealing with, that's all that matters. And I remember when I was an SDR a while back or even, yeah, like developing my skills, I didn't listen as much. And once you do start listening and do that like 80-20 rule, it's a game changer. For SDRs that need to book meetings, just listen. And don't spew out. Don't give them too much candy. Don't tell them so much about your product. Say, hey, well... If I can tell you that we can do this, are you up for a 30 minute meeting with my account executive? That's helped in a, a lot of roles um, that I've been in, all roles. 
Yeah, those are the basics. Those are the same things we still teach now, right? The 80-20 the rule, which is what Caitlin tell it, tell it so they can hear it from somebody else besides me and Chris. <laughs> the 80-20 rule? Yeah. Have them speak 80% of the time and you only speak 20% of the time. It will make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And don't tell too much. I would say in the first call, even when I was an account executive in my last role, I don't want to say exactly what we did. I just want to show them the product. I know I can fix their product. I know I can help them make more money, save more money or whatnot. I just want to actually get them on the phone to actually show them product. Or as an SDR case, I want to get them to my account executive who's an expert in this. What are some of the other skills you've had to kind of develop and learn as you transition to a closer or a field rep? Yeah, I mean, as an SDR, obviously you pass off the meeting and that's it. Here, it's maintaining that relationship throughout the sales cycle, which at my last job, it was a super short sales cycle. Here, it's a little longer. So learning to put that cadence in place constantly, not always saying, hey, are you ready to buy? Hey, are you ready to buy? Hey, I saw this article. I think it would really help within your situation. Check it out. It might not be anything to do with what I'm selling. May just be something in the tech space or, hey, I heard they they spoke about their kid doing this on the weekend. Little things like that, building relationships, constantly staying in contact will help you at the end of the day, close the deal. Well, and I was going to say, outside of the office, how does Caitlin have fun? Oh, I got a puppy. Juju. Okay. He's sleeping right now. He's living the dream. I got a puppy three months ago. He's been amazing. Austin's super fun to be outdoors. I'm not going to lie. I love a good drink. I love a good cocktail. I do eat my way around every place I live in. I spend a lot of time on the river or lake. Austin people call it a lake, but it's definitely a river. So yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> But we go paddleboarding a bunch here. I don't like being inside. I mean, I work at my desk in my apartment. Get me outside once it hits five. Close my computer. (laughs) So you like the outdoors? I do, which is weird that I was in New York. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so what do you like better, Austin or New York City? Austin. Wow. Is it because of the outdoors? I like to be able to go in the water here. I'm in New York. Don't expect me going in the Hudson River. I don't think I'll make it out alive. <laughs> the Hudson, you got to go in the East River, not know. the Hudson. I was staying away from both <laughs> That's probably the yeah. safe move right there. Okay, so what about Austin versus South Bay? Austin. And why is that? I love San Jose. I love the Bay Area. My whole family's there. I love to go back and visit. But there's more things to do here that I like. Don't catch me once again paddleboarding in the bay. I don't think I'll make it out alive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a good place to call home for now. For sure. So I remember being in San Jose during the summertime, and it would be close to 100 degrees, maybe in the 90s. And I remember the Californians complaining about how hot it was. And I'm like, there's no humidity here. So, Caitlin, you're in the big leagues yeah. in terms of heat. Wait until the summer of Austin. It's, it's going to be whoa. I just looked at the. I just looked at it. It's eighty six <laughs> right now at ten o'clock. It's going to get to ninety three around four this weekend. It's ninety seven degrees. Yeah, it's pretty rough. You get used to it though. It's more like can my dog's paws yeah. get used to it? My little his little puppy <laughs> dog. I have to carry him everywhere. <laughs> it's an interesting place. I mean, it gets so hot there. It doesn't really cool down at night. So if you're walking around downtown during the day, the heat is emanating off the concrete. Like it, it's, it's, it's terrible. Could cook a cookie. 
big but, on the sidewalk. But they make everything okay. Like they have misters everywhere. Everything's yeah. crazy AC. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. this in New York. I had a like AC for the window. But here it's like all central AC. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was here last summer. And I kind of forgot how hot it got. But it's back to being hot again. But it's okay. I'm surviving. All right, Caitlin. So where do you go from here? Just kind of walk us through on this journey of yours professionally and personally. What what happens next? Or what kind of goals? What kind of mountains are you still trying to climb? I would say I'm pretty still new to being an account executive, account manager. So I think I have a lot to learn here. A lot of possible money to make within this role. And... I don't really see myself doing anything else for now. I don't see myself being a manager again, or at least for a while, like 10 plus years. There's so (laughs) many skills within this role that I'm in now that I need to learn and that I have an amazing team to learn from and people around me that have done this role before. So I think it's going to be a lot of learning over the next 10 plus years. I want you to give some advice to our listeners. And this listener is someone who is an SDR, a top performing SDR, who is debating whether or not she should become an SDR leader. What advice do you wish you would have received before you made that jump? Before coming an SDR leader, what advice I wish I had? Or what do you wish you would have known about that role? What sort of insight would you provide that person? It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) No, I had a lot of people actually prior to being an SDR manager or just being in sales in general saying, hey, I think you'd be better in marketing. I don't think you'll be great in sales, things like that. Don't listen to those people. Do what you want to do. Don't be afraid to disappoint. That's what I've always worried about, like in the beginning of my career. Like, okay, if I don't go into marketing, like, will I be a failure as an SDR manager or in sales? That's not the case. You create your own path and you are going to be successful especially if you have people around you that want you to be successful and that are going to be there for you when you do fall down and when you do possibly lose a job, there's always a group of people. And that's why I love memory blue is that that was like the foundation of my sales career. So don't be afraid to take a risk. I would say if this is something that you really want. Very good. Wisdom. That's all I got. (laughs) We got wisdom and truth in a lot of cool places you live. And it sounds like you might not be done yet. So Corcoran and I will be, watching, waiting for their LinkedIn updates. I won't stalk you as much as Andy does, but I'll check on you. <laughs> I'm hopefully I'm not going to be changing my LinkedIn anytime soon. All right, good. Not a place that I love. <laughs> no, they're lucky to have you. It sounds like you're very happy to be there. Well, Caitlin, thank you for joining us. It's been a while. Chris and I are thrilled you said you'd come on and drop some truth bombs today. Of course. Anytime. I'm here to chat. Very good. Hey, next time I'm in Austin, I'm going to hit you up to go paddleboarding. I love stand-up paddleboarding. It's a workout, but honestly, if that's the only workout I'm doing, I need to do it at least like three times a week. (laughs) For sure. All right, Caitlin. Very good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Caitlin. The pain of finding and hiring strong sales professionals is a critical challenge that is widespread and getting worse. The Memory Blue Direct Hire Service specializes in filling sales development roles within the high-tech space. And with a one-year performance guarantee and 0% interest financing, you can feel secure in your selection process when you use Memory Blue Direct Hire. As a company, we hire close to 300 SDRs annually across our five office locations. That's nearly an SDR per day all year long. 
Finding, hiring, and developing sales talent is the core strength of our business. Now we're letting the public tap into the resources of our world-class talent team, specifically trained to find high potential SDRs in order to close this gap. For more information on this service, check out memoryblue.com slash direct. Thanks for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep. Thank you.